ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Tropical cyclone Jasper and the consequent rain depression comes 12 years after Cyclone Yasi destroyed 90% of banana plantations throughout coastal far north Queensland. The massive crop loss caused a national supply shortage, something that's pretty fresh in many growers' minds. Today you're going to meet one of those growers who farms in the Tully Valley. He says... While there's nowhere near the same magnitude of damage, there's still a substantial clean-up for many. And this time, the nation's $600 million banana industry is on high alert because floods mean fungus and the potential spread of the exotic disease Panama Tropical Race 4. Australian Banana Growers Council Chair and Tully Grower Leon Collins explains where the damage was from this most recent cyclone as it came across as tropical cyclone Jasper and then the subsequent rain depression meant floods for many growers. Three to four farms that were substantially uh, effective. They were farms that <coughs> were heavy laden with fruit. They also just happened to be not near each other either, just isolated around the area and it just happens to be where they were, where they were situated, that they copped a fair fit losses during cyclone Jasper as it crossed the coast as a Category 2. Could you quantify those losses? How much was lost? I haven't got all the figures together. They're still coming in, but people are still surveying their blocks and that sort of thing at the moment. But I think it'll take another couple of days to get those figures through. I see. Enough to have an impact on on supply? No, no. Those figures won't. On the the actual storm that we had, it won't affect anything on supply. But with the flooding that is going to take some supply off the market and spread it out because we we haven't even got trucks mobile. Get the Palmerson's a mess. All the infrastructure, road infrastructure on the ranges from the tablelands down to the coast are a bit of a mess. So, Leon Collins, the road infrastructure is, is one side of it and that will directly affect supply. But what about back to the banana plantations themselves and in terms of that water because the the, the cyclone passed was one thing, but then all the rain came. What's that done to the crop? Well, people are out there harvesting and doing that now that they can. Bunches that didn't get submerged, but they still would have had water up in the trees, a lot of them, but not actually in the bunches. So salvaging them while they can. The fruit will be good. There's nothing wrong with the fruit. The fruit will still taste just as good. Mightn't look as good, but it still tastes good. The unfortunate part about all this coming in is coming right in on Christmas and New Year week when this fruit will be sort of hitting the market. So the flood has been exceptionally early in the season. It's going to be, yeah, cost a lot to um, get things back into, you know, the road infrastructure just to get back into the farm off the main roads. You know, they're a mess. There's fences down everywhere. There's fences for our biosecurity down everywhere. A lot to to get into, especially, as you say, the week that everyone's going to be trying to take a break and catch up with family, there's work to be done. With the health of the plants themselves, if they've been sitting in water, what do you notice? Do, do the leaves start to sort of yellow a bit more? What are the telltale signs that that water yeah. has affected affected the plant? 20, 24 hours underwater is not a problem. 48 hours under prob- isn't really a problem either. But you go 72 hours and above, that's when you're starting to get some serious damage. 
within the plantation. And yeah, what it does is takes the oxygen out of the soil so the plant roots can't breathe. So the tree will start to get stunted for a start and it grows steadier and you might have a bit of yellowing too. And what does that mean for the fruit? If there's fruit on the banana plant at that point, what does it mean for that fruit? And then what does it mean for fruit ongoing? All right, the fruit hanging on the trees will be with no problem with it. The eating quality will be just as good and there'll be plenty on the market for our consumers. We're not worried about that. That is a good thing. But as we go on, recovering time, you know, if things will slow down, it could be um, six to nine months till some farms get a go on again. It will slow things down. Some farms have got to hit lightly. Well, they'll be fine. It won't affect them at all. But if you are heavily affected it with, with this flooding, it will slow you down, the cycling of your cropping. Nine months, it's, a, it's quite a period of time for the cycle of the, of the plant to sort of get back into, into optimal production. But are you also talking about infrastructure and roads on farm yeah. as well, that, that sort of clean up? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big clean-up. I mean, I've just been down a, another farm road now, and it's it's a mess. You know, we've still got to get fuel in. We've got to get our cartons in. We've got to get our fruit out. We will be running at a, a reduced rate of packing because of all the problems, but there will still be fruit leaving North Queensland. We've got enough there in North Queensland, as well as or our southern states and Carnarvon over in WA to supply the Australian market. Fantastic. So no no shortages in the supermarkets themselves. No. Just just a logistical nightmare to get it out by the sounds of it, especially in terms of the damage that's occurred to the road network. That's going to be a trick for a while. Yeah, nothing's going to happen in a hurry. Talking of challenges for the banana industry and Panama disease, a, a huge issue, especially in the Tully Valley. I think it was only May this year when another farm has been infected. Will something like this disaster, with the flooding that's occurred, be a problem for spread? Will will the spores perhaps be spread a little further with something like flooding? What, what are you thinking there? Panama tropical race spore can be spread very easily through water, soil and water movement. We've had a huge deluge in the river how much that dilutes the spores, you know, the amount of spores that are actually in the area, that's anyone's guess. But, yes, you're definitely right. Spores now that were mainly up, we've only had up infected properties up the top of the river. Now, of course, it has the potential to be throughout the whole river system. But it mightn't show up on new spots till, you know, it could take two years' time. But it's something we've got to live with and we've got to prepare for. We can live with it through quarantine and um, our biosecurity obligations that we do and we run all on farm but isolation there's some things you just can't help but other otherwise we do all our good protocols keep everything in place we'll keep this thing slowed down to a minimum just to a walk there can probably never be enough vigilance in terms of a disease like panama can there yeah no they can't times have changed now we've got to learn to live with it you know, if we can contain it in the Tully Valley, that would be absolutely fantastic. But if it gets spread on other river systems in the North Queensland, well, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a big take and a whole new ball game.
It's Leon Collins, a Tully banana grower. He's also the chair of the Australian Banana Growers Association. He mentioned that he'd been through several cyclones, including Winifred, Larry, Yarsi, and now Jasper. And he also said he wants people to be aware of quarantine arrangements and biosecurity requirements when going on farm. Because while growers are estimating the losses, believed to be in their millions of dollars, experts are echoing those concerns for the future of the industry. Because, of course, the risk of the fungus spread from the flooding. Professor James Dale runs the Banana Biotechnology and Research Program at the Queensland University of Technology, or QUT. He says there's fresh concern for Panama TR4 because of the way the fungus disease spreads. We do know that, that TR4 is, the fungus is spread by, uh, spread in water, and that can mean irrigation water and flood water. I think the, the really important thing is in, in North Queensland, the distribution of TR4 is very limited. It's only in one relatively small area. So outside, and, and the flood waters most likely would flow into the local river. So there would be added concern around that local area that there's no reason to believe that, say, for instance, up in Innisfail, that the, the fungus will be spread up there by flood water because of this relatively isolated area where TR4 is currently present. So how does it actually spread? Is it by water or is it by soil? All of the above, yeah. So it's in the soil and so and, and, and it's a fungus and it produces spores these are these are bodies that then, that can then germinate and, and grow so those spores and and the mycelium itself is spread in soil and in water put it into perspective for our listeners who are hearing about this disease how big of a deal is it to the banana industry in australia yeah for generally it's a huge it's a huge concern because you can't eradicate it. That's that's the biggest problem. And once it gets in the soil, it's there for essentially forever. So you can't grow susceptible cultivars in that in that soil anymore. In Australia, better than anywhere else in the world, we have been able to reduce the spread dramatically. We would have expected, because it was first recognised in, in 2015 in North Queensland, if it was in other places in the world, you would have said most of the industry by now would have some level of infection. Well, that hasn't happened, uh, and that's because of the biosecurity uh, measures in place and also the growers who have really worked incredibly hard to implement those biosecurity measures. So it's been isolated, it's continuing to move, but it's moving very slowly. Ultimately, and that could be 10, 20 30 years away, it'll continue to move and it'll get into other areas. That's just the, the nature of the beast. But, you know, in Australia, we've got a huge amount of time to really prepare for all of, all of that. And on reflection of the efforts the growers themselves have gone to, what exactly have ha- they had to change and implement on their farms to curb this spread? Because it hasn't been seen really anywhere else in the world, has it? the curb of the disease? Now, there are other places trying to do it. So in Colombia, for instance, which is, is the first country where it's been found in South America, they're certainly using very similar approaches to Australia. In the Philippines, where it's rife, you know, it's incredibly widespread, 
they've sort of implemented some higher security measures, but I've, I've been up there and they just they just weren't working. There's too many bananas, too many people moving around. But in Australia, what we've seen is that guys have really changed their lifestyle amazingly to to work with these biosecurity measures. So, you know, the farms have now very restricted access. You know, they're, they're all of uh, most of the farms now are now uh, fenced. There are single entry points. When people go onto those plantations, they they have to go through sterilisation baths and usually change into into boots on the other side of, uh, of of the divide and so they're really limiting the spread both into their plantations and also within their plantations and it's been it's really been amazingly successful do you have any idea of the financial impact if the australian banana industry was to essentially succumb to the disease or we would see that disease spread out from just the Tully Valley? It will have a, a really big impact. So the, big, the, the, the biggest problem at the moment is that if you have infection in your plantation, in most instances that area will be quarantined off and the bananas, bananas killed in that area. So loss of production. And you really don't want people chomping, chomping through that area either because that the fungus can be moved around on soil, on boots, etc. So... Yeah, it does have an impact. Uh, at the moment, that impact is most evident on the few growers, unfortunately, that that have have recorded TR4 in their properties. Most of the other financial impact is the impact of the implementation of biosecurity measures, and that is expensive. I mean, you know, you, you've got to you're really reformatting your 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 farm and spending quite a significant amount of time and money. On, on chemicals to for sterilising vehicles, etc. So that is also a cost impost. But if you if we got the sorts of levels of infection that you see in many other countries, I'd, the banana industry, if they stayed with Cavendish, would be would be probably inviable. Well, you say that variety, and that's what absolutely everyone would be familiar with when we go to supermarkets the banana on offer to us is Cavendish. All this discussion about the disease and about the what growers have had to do, do we also have to consider about the fact that would it essentially mean we would see less bananas on our shelves or we'd be paying more for bananas? Can you eat bananas with TR4? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if the plant's infected, the, the, the fungus doesn't get into the fruit to start with uh, and, and will probably have no impact on, on the quality of fruit. But we're talking at the moment, and I saw the figures just the other day, there's, they've only recorded about 220 banana plants in Queensland being infected. So it's a very, very small number at the present time, which is fabulous, and I think that, that can continue on. What will almost certainly happen in the future is that and, and we're part of that, but there are a number of other groups developing resistant varieties, some of which are resistant Cavendish, and others are different to Cavendish but, but are resistant. So I, I, I don't see that there's any real long-term concern about the banana, in, banana industry in Australia. I think what we'll see is maybe a different mix of, of, of um, varieties in the supermarket, which may be a good thing. And it's probably going to come over the next five to ten years, and we've we've got that time in Queensland to see these varieties coming through 
and the growers are very aware, aware of these coming through and they'll be trialling them. We're, we're in that sort of interim period from ha, we, we've got, got to control it by very strict biosecurity to, okay, maybe in a, in a decade's time we can relax some of that because the varieties, and it could be a, a resistant Cavendish, are going to be grown by a, a proportion of the growers. And does a flood event this big really reinforce the need for new varieties and new resistant varieties? Yes, I think it does. The, the best lesson is from the Philippines, and, and well, I, I don't, can't remember exactly how many years ago, it's probably a decade or more ago, when, when there was massive flooding from one of their typhoons uh, or hurricanes down in, um, in Mindanao, and it, it flooded huge areas of the banana plantations, and, you know, they're a very huge grower of export Cavendish. And after that, two to three years later, there was a huge blow up of, of TR4 and lots and lots and lots of plantations infected. And that really was the start of the, the real downfall for the Philippine industry due to TR4. We're not going to see that in Australia because at the moment we, we're starting with just one small focal area, but that area could be significantly affected. But as you say, it's a good wake-up call. This is how it can get around very quickly. Okay, we've got to, we've got to work towards those, those uh, resistant cultivars. And no doubt growers listening will have an indication of what to look out for for Panama TR4, but could you just provide a reminder to them? If not, what are those signs that they should keep an eye out for for the disease? It's a relative, you know, once, once you've got your eye in, if you like, it's a relatively easy, easy disease to spot. Firstly, you'll see one of the older leaves going really quite a bright yellow, uh, and that's the first indication. So if you're seeing, if you're seeing isolated plants with that sort of yellow leaf symptom, best thing to do is to get onto the inspectors straight away and say, hey, come out and have a look at this. They know how to deal with it they'll be able to you can pretty well diagnose it once you cut out the mosquito stem it actually has a very distinctive smell as well uh, and 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 you can pick that and then you'll get molecular diagnostics on top of that but in almost all instances where you see that when you see that very yellow leaf you can very quickly diagnose it That's Professor James Dale. He heads up the Banana Biotechnology and Research Program at QUT. Speaking with Lucy Cooper.